Welcome to another episode of the Balancing Hormones Naturally podcast, where we offer actions and steps you can take today to start balancing your hormones naturally. This is your podcast host, Leah Brueggemann. I am a functional diagnostic nutritional practitioner. I am honored and excited to be your guide on your journey to better understanding your hormonal health and how it affects your everyday life. Welcome back to another episode. So we have a very special guest here. So we have Ryan Monahan, who I, I actually would call you my mentor. I feel like I have done enough consults with you. And I always tell my husband, I'm like, my brain hurts. I just had a Dr. Ryan. <laughs> um, I get more wrinkles in my brain every time I learn from you. But he is an FDN level three. He's nationally board certified and a certified AIP coach. And your specialty is... Um, autoimmune Hashimoto's, but that's because you have that, correct? That's what threw you into that field. Correct. It was a little over 10 years ago that I was diagnosed with, with Hashimoto's. Yep. Yeah. So can, we're going to talk all things about that today. Like maybe, um, support you can find for it, you know, things you can start doing for, with food and, you know, probably some labs you should look into, but can we start with you explaining like how you got this diagnosis? Because I know you got it you'd been sick for a long time before you even got this diagnosis. So could you share a little bit about your story and how you finally got the diagnosis? Yeah, I would be honored to share that story. And first, I just want to say thank you so much for having me on. That's and I'm also awesome. honored to be considered your mentor. Um, so talking about the thyroid stuff, there, there's a lot to unpack there. It was a, a very long journey. So yeah. if, if I'll, I'll give you guys the, the kind of condensed version for your listeners and for your audience. So okay. um, I really, if I'm being totally honest, I was sick as far back as I can remember, as far back as my memory really goes. Um, I would say even before I was 10 years old, I, I really struggled a lot with, with allergies in particular. And, you know, my family and friends sort of joked that I was like a bubble boy because I was allergic mm -hmm. to everything. I was allergic to a lot of foods. I was allergic to to dust and pollen and all those sort of usual things. And so I was put on, you know, medications, antihistamines and, and those sorts of things from a pretty, pretty early age. So I, I had a kind of even a view of myself as being an inherently sick person from a pretty young age. Right. Yeah. Um, but the, those symptoms started to become progressively worse. I would say in my late teens around when I started to transition into my college years, and that's when I started experiencing a lot of uh, fatigue and brain fog symptoms. I tell this story a lot, actually, but I can recall um, setting three alarms to wake myself up in the morning. I would set one on my phone. I would set one on my computer. I would set one on an alarm clock, and they'd all be going off at the same time because I would sleep through even those three alarms, you know, oh easily. Just, yeah, it was, it was crazy. Uh, so I'd sleep through those alarms and sometimes, you know, just hit snooze for an hour or two. Um, but I really just at the time attributed that to just having a busy uh, college load and, and course schedule between that and, you know, also working a couple part-time jobs. I, re I really was burning the candle at both ends, as the expression goes. And before we started recording, we started... Uh, we talked a little bit about, uh, about our music careers in, in the past. And during that same time period, I was also playing in bands and I was touring on the road. So I really was burning the candle at more than both ends, right? Yeah. Uh, and uh, be between full-time course load, working multiple part-time jobs, being on the road, for, for those four years or so that I was in college, I probably got an average of four or five hours of sleep mm -hmm. uh, a night. That's pretty realistic with no exaggeration. Yeah. So, you know, in my mind, it was just like, okay, of course I'm tired. I'm, right. I'm just pushing myself really hard. And this, this is kind of normal. And this is a normal phase that I'm going through in life. So yeah, the, that, that chronic fatigue issue persisted for many years after after even I graduated from college. Um, but all the meanwhile, you know, I was still dealing with the brain fog, uh, the chronic fatigue, 
all the ear, nose, and throat issues, just constant issues with allergies. I was and, say, how yeah. on earth did you sing with all of those allergies? Yeah, it's such a great question. It was really, really, really difficult. And she, I mean, there were times when I was recording in the studio where I'd have like this whole setup with nasal sprays and I'd, I'd have like a, a warm cloth with, with drops of eucalyptus oil and I would be kind of breathing that in from the cloth in between takes and I'd be drinking the kind of warm, uh, you know, lemon ginger tea with honey, you know, raw, raw honey in it. Do you ever go back um, to like and sing now and you're like, wow, my voice sounds so different when I'm not, you know, clogged with all of my allergies. Oh yeah. I, I can hear it in a, in a lot of those early recordings. I, re I recorded my first album with a band when I was, I think 17 and I can hear it in those early recordings that, you know, there's no air flowing through my nose in the music world. We call it the embouchure, right? Kind of like the shape of the sound as it's moving through your sinuses and your throat mm -hmm. and uh, very different characteristic. Yeah. Yeah. Very much so. Crazy. Okay, ladies, this is why you should be seed cycling. Seeds have amazing nutrients that we need to support our hormones. It's super easy to do. They're very high in fiber, especially soluble fiber. So very good for your gut, very good for your bowels, very good for estrogen levels. And it's such a simple thing that you can do to support your hormones. I have been using Funget Wellness Seeds for over three years now. If that doesn't say how much I love them and how much easier they make my life, I really don't know what will. So the reason why I love Funget Wellness Seeds is because there's a couple things that you need to look for when you do seeds for seed cycling to support your hormones. You need to be getting organic seeds, okay? If you're buying them from the grocery store, you need to be buying whole seeds. Now, they go rancid a lot faster once they're ground, so hence why you need to buy them whole. And when I buy them from Funkit Wellness, she grinds them right before she ships them to me, so I don't have to worry about them going rancid. And then secondly, I don't have to worry about my husband finding flax seeds in the coffee grinder anymore because I was using them to grind my seeds. And then on top of that, I wasn't as consistent with my seed cycling because I would forget to grind them and then I didn't want to go find the coffee grinder. And then it was just this whole thing and I wasn't as consistent as I should be. And if you want to see support and you want to see results from seed cycling, you need to be consistent. You need to be consistent for at least three cycles because what you're doing right now is going to be affecting your period three cycles from now, okay? So... If you've never seed cycled before, I'm gonna break it down for you. Start of your period, you're gonna do one tablespoon of pumpkin seed, one tablespoon of flax seed every single day from period to ovulation. And then at ovulation, you switch to one tablespoon of sesame and one tablespoon of sunflower every single day from ovulation to your period. Now, when I use the fungus wellness seeds, which are the only ones I use, it is Nurture, which is their pumpkin and flax blend from period to ovulation. And then I switch to the Radiate, which is the sesame and sunflower. It makes my life incredibly easier. On top of that though, their seeds actually really do taste better. And I, I don't know, I'm assuming it's the incredible quality of the sourcing that she does and how fresh they are, but you legitimately will taste a difference. So if you go to funkitwellness.com, you can do the subscription. You don't have to, but I'm telling you, you'll want to because you get free shipping and you get a discount. So do the subscription and then you can cancel or pause at any time. There's no issue there. And then you can stack that with the coupon Leah 15 to save 15%. So that is an incredible deal and it makes them very, very affordable. So I think that you will love that. And on top of that, Funkit Wellness does send out amazing recipes if you just get bored with, you know, throwing them on your oats or making seed cycling energy balls or whatever, you know, you want to do your seeds in. So thank you so much to Funkit Wellness for partnering with us on this podcast because they are a company that I've been using for years and my clients use them and it just makes everybody's life easier so you can actually see results from seed cycling because you're going to be consistent. 
Well, if you were just sick all the time, like what what made you go and to get your thyroid checked if you just one of your main things was allergies and brain fog? So so that came actually many years later. It wasn't until I was twenty eight actually that I got my oh, thyroid checked. Cool. And and okay. during during that time period of my twenties, I was this was kind of like the next chapter actually of this journey where I was visiting doctor after doctor. I had actually visited a total of 40 doctors in, a, in about a 10 year. Yep. Mm -hmm. And that included specialists, like dermatologists, rheumatologists, uh, gastroenterologists uh, for all of these seemingly separate symptoms, right? Because that's how the medical paradigm views things is that, you know, if you're dealing with a particular symptom, we're going to treat that symptom with our right. you know, specialty with our, with our level of knowledge that we have for that. So, you know, in my mind, I'm, I'm still not yet at the point yet where I've really understood things from an integrated, holistic, functional perspective. So I'm going to all these different specialists trying right. to, you know, treat, quote unquote, treat these different symptoms, not yet realizing that there might be a unifying uh, root cause behind these things. So I go through this decade long journey of, you know, of dealing with at that point, uh, I was depressed um, to the point of having, you know, suicidal ideations. I was constipated to the point where I was only going to the bathroom maybe once every three days, right? It was, oh, it was wow. yeah, it was pretty bad. Weird skin lesions all over my body. Um, my face was always very, very puffy, that sort of facial edema you can mm -hmm. sometimes see when people are highly inflamed, right? yeah. still the chronic fatigue and the brain fog. I mean, the brain fog was, let, let me kind of paint a picture. I, I would wake up on your average day yeah. after getting maybe 10, 11, 12 hours of sleep. Wow. The, you know, that, that was what my body needed just to feel some semblance of feeling normal and being able to have enough gas to get through the day. So that was, that was, that was pretty normal for me for about a decade, just needing a ton of sleep, yet still feeling exhausted and not rested. Mm -hmm. Then with the very little energy that I did have, there was very much this practice of rationing my energy. Like I only had so much energy to allocate to so many tasks throughout the day. So that affected everything. I, I wasn't able to even hold a full-time job. You know, I would pick up kind of gig work and, and take take part-time jobs when I could, because I just was not, I would not have been capable of doing that, e even, even if my desire was otherwise. Mm -hmm. So I'm really just surviving at this point and not thriving in any way, mm -hmm. right? And during those waking hours, um, sometimes I'm so exhausted that I'm just laying in bed all day, oh, wow. uh, just staring at the ceiling, just wrestling with my, you know, inner depression. It was, it was not very much of an existence. Like I often say that in some sense, like there was a lost decade of my life that was mostly yeah. in my twenties. It, it, yeah. re it really does feel like that. And I, w I wouldn't wish it on anyone. That's so, <clears throat> but back to your original question, you know, what, what led me ultimately to checking my thyroid it, it actually wasn't my idea. I, I, in this journey of, of visiting all these different doctors, I eventually land on uh, a doctor. This was back when I was living in the Atlanta, Georgia area. And um, this, this gentleman was a, a conventional doctor, but he was also licensed in TCM, which is traditional Chinese medicine. Yeah. This is the first time that I, I, I decided to go to a doctor with a little bit of a different bent or perspective on things just to mm -hmm. see if I get some different answers. And I remember when I was, I visited him in his office, I was basically like pleading with him to, to listen because th that was an experience I felt like I, I hadn't had before mm -hmm. that, you know, I was so used to that kind of seven minute doctor visit where they're staring at their clipboard and telling you everything looks normal. Everything looks fine. Okay. So uh, this was like the first time where I was in a bit of a state of desperation and I literally did plead with him. I said, I really, I said, look, doc, I really need you to listen that I, intuitively I know something is wrong, like seriously wrong, but I don't know what it is. I have no idea. 
Mm-hmm. And he, he was a, a very quiet, very attentive guy. He didn't say much. He just said, okay, here's what we're going to do. We're going to run a battery of tests. We're going to run a, a lot of blood work. And that's exactly what we did. We ran extensive blood chemistry. And then it was maybe one or two days later, he, I, if I remember correctly, this was 11 years ago. So my memory is a little foggy on it, but he, but uh, if I remember it right, he calls me on the phone and says, you, okay, so here's what's going on. You have Hashimoto's. And this is the first time in my life I've, I ever hear that term. I'm like, Hashi, what? Right. Yeah, kind of he said, well, it's that. this, I didn't think I did. That was the first thing I did, you know, and he explained briefly that it's a condition where the, the immune system is, is attacking the thyroid and causing physiological damage to the thyroid tissue. And then my next thought in my head was like, well, I vaguely remember learning about the thyroid in a high school physiology class, but I don't even really know what the, what the role of the thyroid is. So I, I had a lot of research to do at that point. But the main point of that story is he was the first doctor out of the, that 40 some doctors that I visited over that decade long period, he was the first one that ran a thyroid panel on me. No other doctor up until that point had mentioned the thyroid, had thought that the thyroid could be implicated in what was going on with my health. He, he was the very first one. Wow. That's 40 doctors. That's yeah. insane. That's so many doctors. And, yeah. but I feel like there's so many people out there that have very similar stories where they have been to multiple doctors and they just keep getting told their labs are normal, their labs are normal. And they're like, well, I don't feel normal. And um, part of it, I do think is maybe um, an education standpoint, because you said that you just kept going to the conventional doctors. And then this was the first doctor that wasn't necessarily just conventional. Um, Mm -hmm. But it does take a little bit of education and does take a little bit of hope and a little bit of trust to kind of like step out of that field if that's all you've ever known growing up Hmm. so right it's it's a certain paradigm that we all grow up with and we're all very familiar with but in my case and 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 it is also the case with a lot of the clients i work with probably the majority of them that they've had their own experiences with being disenchanted yeah. is the word that I use. They've, they've been disenchanted by the conventional medical model and mm-hmm. it, it hasn't worked for them. They, they're falling through the cracks of, of yeah. that model and they're not getting the care that they need or deserve. And that's part of the reason that I do what I do because I feel that there's a better way. Yeah. So can you explain to me then how you went from getting a thyroid diagnosis or an autoimmune to becoming an FDN? <laughs> Where did we go there? Yeah, so that that was its own journey in and of itself. It actually started with the thyroid panel itself, that very first thyroid panel that the the TCM doctor ran on me. And so I'm going to get slightly technical here for a moment. But when the doctor ran that thyroid panel, my TSH level on that thyroid panel was above 150 Oh my gosh, it's supposed right. to be below two. <laughs> See the shock on your face, right? Uh, so how were you alive? That's what well, I. Well, that's thinking. exactly that was the comment that the doctor made at the time. He said, "I, Ryan, I can't believe you've even been able to get out of bed." Yeah. Like, and that's how I felt. Like I was in a metabolic coma. Mm-hmm. Is is the best word I can use to describe it? So, for those of you who aren't familiar. TSH stands for thyroid stimulating hormone. It's a hormone produced by the pituitary gland to stimulate the thyroid and in, in, into action to, in order to produce thyroid hormone. So that marker tends to be inverted. The higher the number of your TSH, the more that suggests that your thyroid is, is slowing down, sometimes in a dramatic way, it's not producing enough thyroid hormone. So... Um, The standard conventional range for TSH usually is around 0.5 to 5. It's a pretty tight range. And the the sort of optimal or functional range we look at is more like a 0.5, maybe to a 2 or a 2.5. So 
we're talking above 150. We're on like another planet. It's not even close to being in the realm of where it should be. So (laughs) to, to answer your question, you know, how did I get into the functional side of things? It started with a curiosity of, you know, what was going on because I was not fully willing to accept this idea that, you know, if you have thyroid antibodies, if you're dealing with Hashimoto's, you're just going to take this thyroid medication for the rest of your life and put it behind you. There's nothing to worry about. I mean, that's more or less what I was told by my first two endocrinologists that I worked with was just like, Hey, this is how it's going to be from now on. You're going to take this drug called Synthroid and you're going to feel great and you're going to move on with your life. Right? So when I did start on thyroid hormone, I, I did feel like a totally different person. I, I did feel incredible, but I wanted to understand why, in my mind, like my thyroid didn't just randomly start to dysfunction out of nowhere, like in a vacuum of space. Like there, there had to be, I'm, I, I'm a pretty logically minded guy. Like, so I, I was kind of thinking to myself that there must be some kind of uh, root cause behind this or something contributing to it. Mm-hmm. So, you know, initially that just started with a lot of my own research. Like I'm very much a resourceful kind of guy. And that, that's where I started to discover some of these re- resources in the holistic world, like uh, Dr. Sarah Ballantyne's work on autoimmunity and Isabella Wentz, and mm-hmm. then the autoimmune wellness community with uh, Mickey Trescott and some of those folks. So it kind of started there with, with doing my own research. And a lot of that started initially with just working on the dietary component and you know right. pulling out inflammatory foods before I got mm-hmm. into the world of testing and, and all of that. Yeah, it's kind of like a, a whip roll effect where it's like, you, you are a curious person. I can even like the way you educate, you're like, and then, then I wondered why this affected this. So then I decided to become an expert in this field. Um, so I can totally see that. So can we, can we talk about the thyroid now? Can we get technical and scientific? So if somebody is kind of wondering if they have a thyroid issue, and we already talked about TSH, which I love how you said that's actually produced by the pituitary because I think a lot of times we think TSH is produced by the thyroid and it's not. It's what's Mm -hmm. triggering our thyroid. Can we talk lab numbers? So if you are looking to have a thyroid panel run, most of the time if you ask your doctor to do this, um, they're going to run TSH. But that is not really very helpful in terms of looking at your thyroid. So If they want to get an idea of what their thyroid's doing, what markers do they actually want to see run? Yeah, it's such a great question. So to, to start with your first point, it, it is pretty standard practice. If you go to your practitioner and they suspect a thyroid issue, that they'll only run one single marker, just, just the TSH alone. And that marker by itself for multiple reasons, doesn't really tell you that much. It doesn't give you the full picture. Um, partly because, like you, like you reminded me of, the TSH is produced by the pituitary. It's technically not a thyroid marker at all. Yeah. It's only indirectly related to the thyroid. So there's a lot of situations <clears throat> where your TSH can be totally normal, but there's, there's missing parts of this puzzle where you basically get told everything is fine because it's what you might call a false normal. The TSH is in a normal range, but if you had run those other um, thyroid hormone markers, they might actually be really, really low, right? So in order to get the full picture, there's six markers in total that when I work with clients that I'm I'm running to to get the full complete picture of everything the thyroid is doing. So first we have the TSH, then we have the, the thyroid hormones themselves, and we want to see the free bioavailable forms of those thyroid hormones. So they're called free T4 and free T3. So those are the primary thyroid hormones that your thyroid is producing, which, by the way, we have receptors on nearly every single cell in our body for thyroid hormone, which is pretty remarkable. We have roughly between 50 to 100 trillion cells and our body and most of them need thyroid hormone, right? So 
Um, the fourth would be reverse T3, which as the name implies, it's sort of like the, the opposite of free T3. So I like to say free T3 is the accelerator pedal and reverse T3 is like the brake pedal. Yeah. If your reverse T3 is too high, that can mean your body's putting the brakes on your metabolism. Mm -hmm. And then lastly, we have the screening for Hashimoto's or, or basically looking to see if there are any indications that the immune system is producing autoantibodies. So mm -hmm. the first would be uh, TPO antibodies, that's thyroid peroxidase antibodies. And the second would be thyroglobulin antibodies. Mm -hmm. And if we're seeing those numbers elevated, even, even above like 10 or 20, that, that could provide an indication that there might be like some beginning stages of an autoimmune process where the immune system is, is causing some damage to, to the thyroid. Mm -hmm. and, and one additional point I'll, I'll add in there is that hypothyroidism and Hashimoto's are often sort of described as being like separate conditions, but 97% mm -hmm. but of the time, they typically go hand in hand. It's that Hashimoto's, that autoimmune attack on the thyroid, that's actually causing the thyroid to slow down and produce less thyroid hormone. So mm -hmm. I can't tell you how many clients I've worked with that say, you know, I have hypothyroidism and I'll ask if they've ever been tested for Hashimoto's. And most of the time they'll say, no, uh, my doctor said there was no point in running thyroid antibodies, something like that. So mm -hmm. the, the typical thing that I'll hear. And I'll say, well, actually that's really important to see because that actually is getting at to the cause of, you know, why your thyroid is struggling to make thyroid hormone. Yeah. So that's a super important point. Those two issues are, in most cases, they're they're one and the same. Mm -hmm. The, I feel like some doctors are getting a lot more open to running the antibodies, maybe because of such a rise in autoimmune. The one I definitely get the most kickback for is reverse T3. Um, and they always go back with that's a pointless marker. Like no matter what it says, it's not going to mm. change my, um, recommendation. And I'm like, that's true because the only differences you would make with reverse T3 are going to be in diet and lifestyle. So I, I can see why, because it's not going to change the medication dosage, but it mm. definitely should make you change, um, like stress and lifestyle and diet. Yeah, you know, when I look at reverse T3, there, there's a, a kind of a mental checklist that I go through in terms of what might be causing <clears throat> that, that high reverse T3, right? Yeah. So from a functional perspective, from a holistic perspective, I, I do find it useful because it can guide my recommendations. I don't find it to be just a totally useless marker. So for example, yeah. uh, stress, whether that's physiological stress or mental and emotional stress that that can cause reverse T3 to become elevated. So here's where I get excited about this stuff. Th this makes so much sense to me. If your body is in a chronic state of, of stress and fight or flight, the first thing it's going to want to do is, is preserve resources. Think of like a bear in hibernation. Be firstly, because it's trying to allocate as much resources as it can towards survival. But that also means putting a lot of other physiological processes on the back burner. And that means your body goes into this kind of preservation mode, right? Mm -hmm. So how is, your gun, how is your body physiologically going to shut down your metabolism and put you into preservation mode? It can increase your reverse T3 to put the mm -hmm. brakes on the metabolism. So the higher that reverse T3 level, the more it tells me this person is under a lot of stress. Mm -hmm. And again, that may be a mental and emotional stress. It may be, physiological stress, like maybe there's a really high toxin burden in the body that could be pesticides, heavy metals, plastics, BPA, all kinds of things, right? But it, it does give us some sign we need to, to dig a little deeper and investigate into what's going on. So in that sense, I look at it as like a check indicator light, like when we have the check engine light on our car come on. Reverse T3 can also give us clues into very specific situations. For example, Reverse T3 is often elevated with vitamin D deficiency. It's mm -hmm. often elevated when there's high estrogen, like estrogen dominance. Mm -hmm. It can also be elevated when there's a, either an iron or ferritin deficiency, ferritin being your, your iron mm -hmm. storage protein. 
So if I have all of that information, like if I'm running a comprehensive lab investigation and I'm able to look at estrogen and vitamin D and iron, then I'm going to be able to make a better determination as to why that reverse T3 is high and actually make, you know, a concrete plan towards, towards uh, resolving it. Yeah. I had a thyroid panel recently um, <laughs> where the only marker off was reverse T3 and it was like above 55. I was like, holy moly, we're heading in the wrong direction. The reverse T3 was above 55. Mm -hmm. That would be maybe the highest I would have ever seen it. Yeah. That's what I said. I was like, whoa, man, we need to bring this down. But um, Hmm. yeah, we retested and it's back. It's down now. So that was, that was really really good. Um, But yeah, that was the only marker that was like, drastically off but i was like Mm. this is the alarm this is the red flag like let's Mm -hmm. get on this before you know we cascade in other directions um okay so now they know what um what uh panel they need to run so let's kind of move into could we talk a little bit more about um like let's say somebody has no idea they're like just stepping into like having a thyroid issue what are maybe some things they should be focusing on in getting in through their food? Um, because, you know, when you delve into supplements, I always recommend, obviously, you're getting guided there. But with food, what are there certain key nutrients or things that like, if you even remotely suspect autoimmune thyroid, you you without a doubt need to be doing? Mm. Yeah, so I will say there there are some general principles that I, I feel like will apply pretty much across the board when you're dealing with thyroid issues. At the same time, I pay a lot of respect to the bio-individuality of, of each individual client that I'm working with because it, it can be so different from yeah. one person to the next. And that's where I find the, the whole test, don't guess approach to be so valuable. That way we're able to identify specific nutrient deficiencies, whether it's you know, B12 or iron, or, or if it's, we're looking at the mineral side of things and looking at things like sodium and potassium or, or, or copper or selenium, right? So that it's, you know, this just as well as I do, like there's never one case that is, is exactly like the other when working with clients are all so different. So the, the key thing though, going back to general principles that I'm always going to emphasize is, is this concept of nutrient density and is also why I refer to myself as a nutrivore. Uh, a nutrivore is someone who, you know, seeks out the most nutrient dense sources of food in the diet, as opposed to on the opposite side of the spectrum, we have foods that are calorically dense, but they're very devoid of nutrients, like what we call empty calories. And right? right. so there's a vast difference between uh, one or two ounces of beef liver versus one or two ounces of corn. It's uh, mm-hmm. like a night and day difference. So, and yeah. this is a shift that can take time, but when I'm thinking about nutrient dense foods, I'm thinking about seafood and shellfish. I'm thinking about mm-hmm. um, organ meats like beef liver and heart and kidney and so on. Mm-hmm. I'm thinking about cruciferous vegetables like broccoli and Brussels sprouts, <clears throat> excuse me, um, cabbage, cauliflower, onions, onions and, and, and garlic, which would be in the allium family, right? Mm-hmm. So get all, getting all those sulfur-rich compounds that can help improve sulfation in the liver for detoxification. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and, and the list goes on bone broth, right? I find to be an incredibly healing food for the gut and the, and the mucosal barrier, which mm-hmm. we could spend easily probably an hour just talking about the relationship between the thyroid and the gut. So always a fun topic, uh, but but that's that's really what I'm I'm trying to work on when I'm taking on a client um, is that shift away from the standard American diet, cutting out those inflammatory foods like grains, gluten, dairy, soy, alcohol, added sugar, and then you know reemphasizing some of these ancestral foods that have unfortunately been kind of over time removed from the the diet, but, but yet are some of the most nutrient dense foods on the planet. And the purpose of that, the point of that is that our, our thyroid needs a a lot of nutrients in order to do its job correctly, in order to make thyroid hormone, in order to properly convert T4 to T3. Um, Mm -hmm. So we need nutrients like zinc and copper 
and tyrosine and iodine to, to make thyroid hormone. We need lots of antioxidants to protect the thyroid because it is a very delicate organ that's vulnerable to a lot of oxidative stress and toxin exposure and inflammation. And so we want to make sure we're getting all those polyphenols and bioflavonoids and antioxidants in the diet, um, so which yeah. for everyone who's not going to Google for that <laughs> colorful yeah. vegetables. Yeah, colorful thank you. Food. Thank you. Yes. Eating the rainbow, as they say, as the, as the expression goes, it is there's actually something to it. Yeah. Yeah. So you know the importance of blood sugar balance, but what happens on the days when you are out and about and you just did not plan for all contingencies that happened, you start getting really, really hungry, or maybe you have to um, eat out somewhere and you weren't able to get as much protein as you want, or you just need a little snack, or you are just a little bit hungry. How do you do that on the run? And I will tell you how I do this. And it is Paleo Valley's meat sticks and superfood bars. I pair those together. I always have one in my purse and in my diaper bag. Actually, I probably have more than one because Landon likes to steal mine. So I always have those. I wouldn't say keep them in your car unless you live in a very cold area like I do right now. And then they'll probably be fine in your car. But I always have them on hand because then I know no matter what happens, I always have something that I can grab and support my blood sugar balance and nourish my body. They are the highest quality. Their ingredients are incredible. Um, I have two favorite flavors with their superfood bars, the lemon meringue and the apple cinnamon. Those are my two favorites. They do have a red velvet one. I haven't tried that one yet. So if you guys try that, you'll have to let me know. But their ingredients are incredible. They use grass-fed bone broth protein and they also use dates for a sweetener and it is quite low glycemic. They don't use gluten, grains, soy, or any um, added cane sugar. So that is really, really great if you're looking for something that's going to be a little bit lower in sugar. And I pair it with my meat stick. You guys, I've already talked about the meat sticks. You know why. I love them. I love their ingredients. I love how they are grass fed and grass finish. They don't have any fillers in there. They support regenerative farming, which is really, really important to me. I pair those two together. I love the teriyaki. That is one of my favorite ones in the beef. And then I also do really, really like their, um, their turkey sticks as well. So that's another one that you may really, really like. And I highly recommend them. Um, so you guys know I always 100% want transparency with companies and I am so proud to be able to partner with Paleo Valley because they 100% provide that transparency because then you as the consumer get to make an educated decision. That's all we want. We want transparency so then we know what we're eating and then we can make a decision about that and Paleo Valley is something that I bring into our family and I consume it and my kids consume it, my husbands consume it, and I love their ingredients. So I really could recommend everything, but top, top, top is going to be meat sticks, their superfood bars, and I also really like their um, vitamin C and their uh, beef organ complex. I'll have to tell you about the beef organ complex at a later date because that one's also really good. So you can go to paleovalley.com, P-A-L-E-O-V-A-L-L-E-Y, and you can use the coupon code Leah, L-E-A-H, to save 15%. So I want to, let's talk about medication. So I know a lot of times sure. people are like, I'm on thyroid medication and my TSH is fine but I still feel X, Y, Z. And I think there's so many things you can dive into here. Some thyroid medications have corn in them. So like if you have an autoimmune issue, that cannot be helping you. And then I know for some people, it's literally a conversion issue. It's T4 to T3. It's, it's 
you know, it's not what you're producing, it's a conversion issue. And so if you, again, aren't getting the correct dosages, or maybe you aren't utilizing it well, because even if you're on medication, your body still has to like be able to utilize that. So um, what would you say to that person? Or what would be the next step? Let's say they are on thyroid medication, you know, they know, they've known for a long time, but they kind of still feel crappy. I see a range of different outcomes with different clients. Uh, sometimes you'll get someone that gets lucky taking Synthroid and they feel totally fine. And you look at their thyroid numbers and everything's pretty well balanced. Mm-hmm. That, that's not what I see commonly, but, but it, it happens, right? For, the, for those of you who don't know, Synthroid is synthetic thyroid hormone, hence the name Synthroid. And it's, it's the leading prescription drug for, for treating hypothyroidism. Um, but I, I would say that overall, it's, it's very, just like the dietary components, very individualized and different people will respond differently to uh, Synthroid versus, uh, you know, a customized compounded yeah. thyroid hormone approach versus what's called an NDT, which is a natural desiccated thyroid hormone, the most popular of which is Armour. And there are kind of generic versions of that, like NP thyroid, mm-hmm. right? Um, so the, the key thing with getting on the right thyroid medication is working with a practitioner who's going to help you closely monitor the dosage and help you to listen to your body so you know how you feel, right? Because that, that's really important. Like, how are you actually feeling? Even despite the numbers, how does your body feel? Because it's we're not just numbers on a test page. And yeah. You know, some, like I said, some, some clients will respond right out of the gate to the first thing that they're given. And some others may have a longer journey and maybe, maybe it'll take a year or more, you know, switching different medications until they find something that their body is responding well to. Mm-hmm. And, and then you had also mentioned that conversion variable as well, that conversion of T4 to T3, yeah. right? So sometimes you'll see a situation where this is this happens actually all the time, so this is worth getting into. Um, there's actually a, a website devoted to this topic. It's called Stop the Thyroid Madness, and there's some great articles on there about uh, testimonials, or maybe you'd call them anti-testimonials for for Synthroid, mm-hmm. where, where you know hundreds of thousands of people have been given that medication and they don't feel better, they don't respond well to it. Okay, so well, why is that? Well. Synthroid is a T4 only medication. There's no T3 whatsoever in in Synthroid. So earlier we were talking about the full thyroid panel and I mentioned T4 and T3 as being the primary thyroid hormones that that your body uses. Well, we'll go one step further or deeper than that. It's really free T3 that is the bioactive form of, of that thyroid hormone. T4 doesn't really get utilized nearly the way that free T3 in the body does. So it's really the T3 that we're looking to primarily get. So then what on earth is going on here? Why would our our endocrinologist be prescribing this T4 only drug when it's actually T3 that our body uses? Well, in theory, if everything is working well in your body, that T4 will get converted into T3 in the liver about it's said that about 80% of T4 to T3 conversion occur, occurs in the liver. Okay, well, that's fine and great, but we're living with an unprecedented amount of exposure to toxins and chemicals in our environment, and our livers are having to work harder than they ever have, which means most people with thyroid issues are dealing with pretty messed up liver function, and their livers likely aren't doing a good job of converting T4 to T3. and one way you can see this show up on a lab report when you're running that full thyroid panel is if the client is on T4 and, and their T4 levels are in a good normal range, but their T3 levels are low, right? So what that tells me is their liver is not converting that T4 to T3 very well. And that happens to a lot of people. Yeah. And I've, I've recommended many, many clients over the years to consider switching from Synthroid to something like Armour or WP Thyroid or NP Thyroid, um, which those natural desiccated thyroid hormones are called, they're porcine derived. So they come from the thyroid gland of a pig. And what's unique about that pig thyroid 
that desiccated hormone, it's in the same exact ratio of T4 to T3 as it would be in a human body. Mm-hmm. So in, in a sense, it's kind of, we call it like bioidentical. So we're getting the exact proportion or ratio of T4 to T3. It's not T4 only like Synthroid is. And I personally, when I, after about six months of, of taking Synthroid in, into my own journey, I switched to Armour and I felt a, a huge difference. I felt much, much better. So again, it's going to be very individualized, but, but I, I do have a, a little bit more of a, uh, of an inclination to, to try to encourage people down that route. So they're getting the T3. Yeah. And probably like, I mean, massive, massive, massive liver support, like making, you know, yes. and that, you know, then you come back to full body, you have to reduce your toxic intake, you have to reduce that burden mm-hmm. um, and bring in that support for the liver. I have seen, um, I had somebody come in with antibodies. Her TPO was over 5,000. Mm-hmm. Uh, and we got heavy metals down. That was one of her big things and got the liver moving. And within three months, um, her antibodies were down below 100. Um, wow. And From 5,000 to 100. It was the liver. Mm-hmm. Like she's like, mm-hmm. you know, and she. She was able, you know, to be able to change her medication dosage, which was really, really nice. But, um, yeah, she was like, I'm at a loss here, you know, because she ate really well. Like she ate, um, she was pretty much grain free at that point, you know, but it was just, um, that's where I think, like you said, it's so personalized because, you know, she was doing the standard, like, thyroid support, you know, eating anti-inflammatory, like getting in lots of, you know, leafy greens, you know, getting in lots of, you know, nutrient dense food, but she just, her liver was so congested. It thinks. Mm. Mm-hmm. Yep. yep. That, that, that makes a lot of sense. And the toxic burden when, whenever I'm working with someone with Hashimoto's is going to be one of the first things that I consider mm-hmm. hands yeah. down without a doubt. And I also think too, um, your numbers don't have to be obnoxious for you to like feel bad, you know, like that number I said Mm. was pretty extreme, but most people I see with auto, (laughs) it's like 120, you know, like the thyroid, the anti like TPO is not like in the five thousands, but you can still feel really crummy, even if things Mm. are just a little bit, you know, out of range or not optimal, which is why we're really shooting for that optimal range. You know, to make things really tricky, you can have an A plus thyroid panel and still feel symptoms of hypothyroidism. Mm -hmm. And that's always a head scratcher, right? So there's always a question, are are there other things going on that just look like hypothyroidism? Or is there something subclinical going on where, for example, your thyroid is healthy, you're producing the adequate amounts of T4 and T3, those thyroid hormones, but maybe at the cellular level, there's an issue with poor cellular health where our cells are not taking in the thyroid hormone, or maybe it's not processing the thyroid hormone the right way. Um, So this can happen, for example, if you have a high burden of heavy metals like mercury or aluminum, just to name a couple examples, well, certain toxins can kind of hijack the receptors on our cells where the thyroid hormone would normally get in. I, I almost imagine it like a game of musical chairs. Yeah. And if, if the toxins get there first, the thyroid hormone's not getting in. That's true. Right. So, so I don't always stop there. If, if the thyroid hormone levels look normal, if TSH is normal, but yet a client's coming to me saying, Hey, I'm fatigued. I have brain fog. I'm, I'm gaining weight and I don't know why, and I'm constipated and I'm depressed and I'm losing hair, like all these kind of classic hypothyroid red flags. And I'm, I'm going to launch out a full-on investigation to see, okay, well, maybe your thyroid is, is not really the, the primary issue, but maybe, maybe there are other factors that are slowing down your metabolism or inhibiting your, your cells optimal use of that thyroid hormone. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, you talked about um, all of our cells having receptors for our thyroid hormone. And we just did an episode on this a couple weeks ago, but um, 
iodine. Like we need iodine for optimal mm. thyroid function. And that is also involved in all of our cells. And mm -hmm. so many people like are getting exposed to iodine antagonists like fluoride and bromide and chlorine all the time. And there we go again with the musical chairs. It's like, it may be that you don't have an issue getting in what you're supposed to. It's just that you're also getting in a bunch of things that shouldn't be there. That are not supposed to be there. Yep. Yeah. Yep. Exactly. Yep. So those those uh, halogens, like you alluded to, the the bromine, cl chlorine. Um, mm -hmm. What am I missing? Bromide. That's right. Bromide. Um, yeah, so, so if you look at the periodic table of elements, this is really pretty interesting. They're all in the same column as iodine. Yeah. Right? Uh, so that they're molecularly similar enough where th they can take up those iodine receptors before the iodine gets there. Mm -hmm. Right? And so if you, if you have this issue going on, then your body's not going to be able to utilize iodine properly. Mm -hmm. If you... If you break the, the thyroid hormones down a little further, the T4 and the T3, well, those the numbers, the four and the three respe respectively, they're actually specifically referring to the number of iodine molecules. Uh -huh. So that's actually what those numbers mean. They're not just random. So T4, what that thyroid hormone actually is made of is the amino acid tyrosine uh -huh. plus four iodine molecules. And that gets you T4. That's kind of the formula, it's like baking a cake, right? You've got your flour and your eggs and your sugar. But to make thyroid hormone, you need tyrosine and iodine. And so the only difference with T3 is it's tyrosine and three iodine molecules, Okay. Right? which is it's pretty fascinating, right? And the thyroid, it, it's hidden right there in the name that the, the need for iodine is critical to, to producing thyroid hormone. Yeah, what about tyrosine? Where do you get that? Yeah, so tyrosine it's it's an amino acid, and we're we're gonna get that pretty much mostly from from animal protein, you know. So your yeah. your beef, chicken, pork, eggs, fish, organ meats, etc. Right? Th th there are you know some ways to get it from plant sources to some extent, like soy, tofu, certain mm -hmm. beans, and that sort of thing. But it's gonna be a lot more difficult mm -hmm. uh, to to be able to get that tyrosine in adequate amounts and also in a bioavailable way where your body's going to be able to use it. Yeah. So mm -hmm. what are some of your favorite labs to like, what are like, if, I don't know, you have a new client coming in mm -hmm. and you have no information on them except for a lot of symptoms of a thyroid potential issue and you have like an unlimited scope, what are you going to run? <laughs> So I'm not going to lie, like I'm a data guy and like, I like to have as much information as possible. When I sit down with a client for the first time, someone who's interested in working with me, I, I say this every single time that this is going to be the most comprehensive investigation into your health that you've ever done. Mm -hmm. No, so far, no one's ever pushed back or questioned me on that. <laughs> uh, I've never had anyone say, Ryan, that wasn't thorough. What are you talking about? Right. right. So like, I, I really, if someone's dealing with complex health issues, I want to be treated the way I, I let, me, let me rephrase that. Okay. I, I often say that the, the reason I got into this whole functional health coaching business was I wanted to become the person that I wish I had helping me when I was at rock bottom with my health. Right? 100%. I think yeah. that's why we all end up here yeah. too. I didn't have that person. I didn't have someone, if I can go back in a time machine, I would to, to my early twenties or even my, you know, when I was 18, 19 in college and was like, look, like I see the direction you're headed. I want you to avoid developing a thyroid issue or a full blown autoimmune disease. So let's, let's be proactive here. Let's run a full on investigation into what's going on with your health and physiology and do a, basically like a fine tune. Yeah. Let's go through, let's, let's look at every aspect of the body, your gut, your liver, your detoxification pathways, your nutrient levels, your hormones, your toxic mm -hmm. burden, and let's leave no stone unturned. So we're not missing any critical information, mm -hmm. right? How many of us have had an experience like that? Like I, I find such joy in being able to provide that 
give to someone. Um, and, and for me, when I get a set of labs for a client, I'm sure you feel the same. It's like, even if it's not, the labs aren't for me, it feels like Christmas. Yeah. It's like, Ooh, what do we, what do we get to look at today? Cause it's yeah. exciting. You get to see what's actually going on with the, with the client and, and help them connect the dots and they get to get to see their eyes light up. It is, yeah. is an experience like no other. Yeah. So yeah, as far as what labs I'm specifically, if, if I had free reign, right. Yeah, I, wanted... uh, I might run more labs than I, yeah. but I, I have to be conscious that a lot of my clients are on a budget and I want to keep things right. reasonable. But if I really had a situation where someone said, money's not an issue, let's do whatever we need to. I would be doing a, a GI map stool test to look at the overall health in the gut and look, be looking for identifying certain pathogens like parasites or candida or H. pylori. I'd be doing organic acids to investigate the possibility of mold or mitochondrial dysfunction or nutrient deficiencies and detoxification pathway issues. That's a very comprehensive test with a, a lot of insights. I'd be running an HTMA, which is a hair tissue mineral analysis to look at the, the mineral nutrient mineral levels in the tissue. And also to that test is a really great entryway into looking at heavy metals, mm -hmm. mercury, aluminum, arsenic, cadmium, uranium. Right. Okay. Um, I'd be running a, a total toxin panel. There's a couple great ones on the market. Recently, I've been running one from Vibrant Wellness and it looks at mycotoxins, which come from mold. It looks at heavy metals. It looks at all the environmental toxins like pesticides and plastics and all of that. Um, I would be running a, a hormone panel. Typically that's a Dutch, it's a dried urine test to test for all, all the hormones, your cortisol, DHEA, estrogen, yeah. progesterone, testosterone, melatonin, to look at the hormone side of things. Um, I do comprehensive blood chemistry with every client, mm -hmm. including of course the thyroid panel and, and not just for women, like when I work with male clients, I run a full thyroid panel because men get thyroid issues too. Mm -hmm. It is absolutely more common in women. Mm -hmm. But then you have to look at, well, how much of that is to do with the fact that men aren't likely as likely to go to the doctor when they're experiencing it's health issues. true. Right? They also, I feel like, handle stress a little bit better depending on who they are. Sure, sure. Yeah, absolutely. And, and argue, arguably, uh, women in society maybe face uh, an, a disproportionate amount of stress than, than men do. And, yep. Um, so that that's a, a very real interpretation of why more women develop thyroid issues than men. Right. So I, I'm not sure if I'm missing anything. There are some things I'll run that are contingent on the situation. For example, if I have a client that is clearly dealing with IBS symptoms, you know, gas, bloating, constipation, diarrhea, kind of those classic irritable bowel syndrome symptoms. I may run a SIBO breath test to test for small intestinal bacterial overgrowth. Mm -hmm. um, so yeah, there are some things I'll run on occasion depending on the situation, but more or less th th that would be kind of my, my ideal scenario if I'm trying to get the whole picture of what's going on. Yeah, that's so cool. Um, I, I want to run a, a total tox. To toxin panel. I haven't been able to do that because I've been like pregnant or nursing and you can't oh, right. really do much about it when you're in. in no, yeah. You have to be very conservative when you're nursing about detoxing. Yeah. So mm -hmm. I'm like, I'm at the tail end. He's, you know, slowly weaning. And so um, I'm like, okay, like let's run my, I'm Dutch. I just got my GI map back. I'm going to run an oat. And I'm like, hey, now I, I should add toxin panel to the rest of them see what's up well eventually you'll be able to run it and better late than never right yeah yeah no i totally yeah. agree and you know there's different stages of life for different you know support and right now mine is not detoxing and that's okay but hmm. so I'm trying to think there's anything else we any any other nuggets of information you would love to share with us about the thyroid or anything that you feel like everybody needs to know this is there one thing that you feel like everybody needs to know hmm maybe more just of a general point that and this is something i i alluded to a little bit earlier that if your thyroid is acting up there there's something causing it there's a reason for it Right. So 
taking thyroid hormone, in my opinion, it will make you feel better. It's going to kind of paper over whatever's going on, but it's not, you're not really getting to the root of, of the issue. Uh, and, and so if you're, you know, really committed to your health and longevity long-term, you want to consider peering under the hood, you know, seeing why that check engine light is coming on and, and doing a deeper investigation to, to see what, what's stressing out your thyroid so much. And it's going to be a little different for, for everybody, but there are usually kind of four key areas. I'll, I'll share this too. From my, you know, eight years of working with clients in the thyroid space, I've kind of boiled it down to four key areas. So, and, and there's a lot that could be expanded on in each of these, like a lot to unpack yeah. and that could be expanded on. But if we really boil it down, there, I, I really see it this way. There's four things that can stress out the thyroid. Number one, uh, infections, mm -hmm. right? you know, pathogens. So bacterial overgrowth and dysbiosis and parasites, yeast, mold, viruses. Mm -hmm. There can be a lot to unpack there. Mm -hmm. uh, number two would be the, the toxin load, the toxin burden. Again, there can be a lot to unpack there. And there's a lot of categories to look under between mycotoxins and heavy metals and environmental toxins. Uh, number three would be nutrient deficiencies, which is just about everybody. I've yet to work with anyone that has no nutrient deficiencies. It's just never, yeah. ever see it. Uh, and then four would be mental and emotional stress. Yeah. Right. Uh, which uh, I, I believe can have a profound impact on thyroid health and is often somewhat neglected when, we, when we're nerding out and just focusing on all the physiological stuff. It can be easy to forget that we're also, you know, bioenergetic beings just as much as we're physiological beings, right? Mm -hmm. So, but really at the end of the day, um, every, everything that would affect the thyroid would fall under, underneath one of those four categories, yeah. So I'm always trying to think of for each individual I'm working with, like wh where is the primary issue in which of those four buckets? Right. right? Maybe it's evenly distributed 25% amongst all those buckets, mm -hmm. which, which uh, can be very true for a lot of people. It's never just one thing. It's a combination of variables and factors, like an interconnected web. Right. Mm -hmm. and, and maybe for another client, it's like 80%, the mental and emotional stress. And not so much some of those other factors. Mm -hmm. Even though mental and emotional stress can be one of the cheapest ones to fix, mm. I 100% think it's the hardest because yeah. for everything else, it can be as simple as like switching a product or taking a supplement or changing something in your diet. But the mental and emotional is like regulating that nervous system and changing how you react in situations and it's the mm. hardest, hands down the hardest. I 100% agree. 100% agree with that. You, yeah. you, can't, uh, you can't outrun stress or trauma with a supplement routine. Yeah. And it's harder work, right? It's easy to wake up in the morning and pop a few capsules of some supplements, but to do the, the hard work of kind of facing your shadow self or digging up skeletons out of your closet you know, re-examining your thought patterns or limiting beliefs, uh, mm -hmm. reprogramming the, the brain or the nervous system that, that requires, you know, some, some deep work and introspection and, uh, and occasionally even facing pain, yep. which yeah, mu much more challenging than just changing your diet, cutting out mm -hmm. gluten or taking some supplements. 100%. So how can the people find you? Um, how can they work with you if they, if they would like to do that? Yeah, so I go by the Mindful Nutrivore. You can find me by searching my name, Ryan Monahan, or the Mindful Nutrivore. So on my, my website is the, the mindfulnutrivore.com. I go by the same handle on Instagram and on Facebook as well. And on my website, you can go under the services tab. And, and right there, you can actually sign up for a complimentary 20-minute consultation to, to see if we'd be a good fit to work with each other. Um, you're also welcome to just shoot me an email. I'm ryan at themindfulnutrivore.com and say, hey, I heard you on the podcast and uh, I'm interested in, in potentially working together and, and seeing what's going on. Um, I, a lot of practitioners that we have come on here, I know 
I know them, but I will say like Ryan, I personally know. <laughs> so <laughs> I can guarantee that you will, you will be in good hands if you decide to work with Ryan and he really will uh, take good care of you. Well, I very much appreciate the, the glowing endorsement. It means a lot. Yeah. Your brain will probably hurt. I'm just kidding. It really will, though. <laughs> but you will feel better. So thank you very much for hopping on. Anytime. Let's do it again soon. Thank you so much for having me. Thank you for listening to today's episode of Balancing Hormones Naturally. If you found this helpful, I would love for you to share it with a friend and post it on your stories and tag Balancing Hormones Naturally podcast so we can get this message out. You can find me on Instagram at Leah underscore B-R-U-E-G and I would absolutely love to hear from you.